Hello there, canoodlers. This is Liv, your host for this week, and my first pick for you is Pretty Woman. I was particularly excited for this one because it is my favorite movie of all time, like all ever time. I saw it first when I was like five or six years old, and yes, I know, not super appropriate for such a small child, but honestly, I didn't even quite get that she was a prostitute until I was in like my mid-teens or something and had seen the movie about 20 times already. I love this movie because it is so incredibly well told and shot and it just captures you with fun and ease while still addressing very complex feelings and issues, frankly. I was so happy to know that my other co-hosts were equally as smitten as I was and we had a very vibrant chat about it. Okay, everybody. Hey. Hey. How you doing, girls? Good to see you. Great. Great. Happy to be here. Happy to be here with my first sun sunburn of the year. Oh my god! Well, listen. Let's inter- let's introduce ourselves for the folks at home sitting in their in their apartments during the quarantine, listening to us. I'm Colleen Hinesley. I'm Barbara Senrich. I am Liv Barrett, and I'm Lucy Osborne. And this is Canoodle. We like to sing our names and we like to sing our titles. That's the, well, that's the only way to do it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so we're home for us. Gosh, it's, we're, we're ending week nine at home. Nine. No way. Nine, yeah. Whoa. I know that because I keep a, my journal and I write at the top of it, week eight, week <laughs> nine. Unbelievable. No, I write the, our CEO's notes. At the end of week nine, I have to, so today I actually had to go back like, oh, what did I say last week? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, God. Week nine, you guys. I thought that we were like on week six. No. I mean, this is crazy. March yeah. 13th or something. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. We went yeah. March, March 12th. March yeah, March 12th was oh. your first day at home. March 13th was my first day at home. Yeah, I know. I know. It was crazy. I actually, I remember on March 13th, which was a Friday, I had a shoot. It was my last shoot that I'm a producer. So I'm a video producer. So I had my last shoot up in Harlem and it was such a big deal to get up there because it was already kind of like, I remember mm-hmm. in the morning putting up my stuff into and telling Lucy, all right, getting out into the real world. Like it was already, you know, it was already fully like a no go to go out, but the, I had to go and that was my last day out for good, I guess. Yeah, I remember because we weren't really on lockdown or anything yet. We hadn't gone on the whole New York on pause thing, but all the rumors were flying. And like at some point at my office, these crazy rumors started flying that they were gonna shut the city down and they sent us home and it was super crazy. And um, I I just remember that, because St. Patrick's Day and Barbara's birthday, March 17th. That's right were the following Tuesday. And, you know, I come from a huge Irish Catholic family and my parents owned a bar, as you guys know. And the, literally the, the whole lockdown on businesses, on bars started at 9 a.m. on March 17th. So all the bars, all the bars officially closed on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. And the, and the, the weird like Irish bar owning family gene in me started going like, what? It's real. Oh no, this is happening. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you shutting it down that day? Oh I felt the same way. I was like, I'm usually not someone to like make a big deal out of my birthday, but because it was very clear that there was not going to be any big deal about that at all. I felt like I want a big deal. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> and it was such 
such a non-event and I'm like, I can't believe it. <laughs> we'll celebrate your half birthday with a huge soiree, perhaps on Zoom, perhaps not. I know. But yes. that half birthday, that's going to be raucous. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I will say like you guys made my birthday because we did have like a little toast in the evening and then a massive entertaining dinner cooking event it's i think it's 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 still saved on colleen's highlights i hope <laughs> colleen, I pro, tip, pro tip go to instagram check out colleen can cook <laughs> oh my gosh yeah on on my instagram at colleen hinesley on my instagram um i decided to make barbara a like a homemade indian meal from a recipe that I learned when I was in India over the, over the holidays. I was there for almost a month and I took a cooking class there, which was very well controlled. It was a controlled environment with a professional chef who didn't let me hold anything sharp. And then I tried to recreate it at home and it was a massive shit show. <laughs> the best. Hilariously entertaining. Oh, Great for us. Great for your fans. For all, yes, for all my fans, for, for my tens of followers. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. And I remember, I remember when you posted it, um, we, Lucy and I actually texted you because we couldn't wait for you to upload the next story. And we were waiting anxiously because we were watching in real time as you were uploading and we were kind of trusting, stressing you out, which I don't apologize for because we needed that content. So that was, that was bold. That was well, bold. I, need, I need a class in social media posting because it takes me so long. I'm like, what's the font? I'm going to write a funny, catchy note, note on it. I feel like I'm 90. I'm like doing the Instagram and I'm like, this is taking forever. Now I'm tired. I have to go to bed. No, it, takes, it takes a long time. That's why Lucy is charging big bucks for it because the biggest bucks. <laughs> I quit. The bucks were that big. Not big enough. Not big enough. No, you went through a real hero's journey, though. Yeah. There were ups, there were downs. There certainly were lows. Apparently, there were highs at the end. Highs were high. <laughs> highs were high. You can't believe how high they were. I have to say, because there was a moment, I think I was cooking chicken thighs, which I don't even know what that is, by the way. I mean, I, I've never seen a chicken thigh. I've never seen a chicken with thighs. I have no idea what that even looks like on a bird. And... I was like just shoving them into a pot and the pot was too small and the thighs were too big. And I was like, this isn't going to go well. This could be a fire situation, which, you know, it's good content. Definitely, definitely has its, has its, yeah. But listen, we are waiting anxiously for your next cooking endeavors, which are, <laughs> which are awesome, which are awesome. But, um, you know, I did want to mention something um, that, you know, because also because you were talking about India and there is this uh, new Netflix show that is very much uh, Indian American based, which I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called mm -hmm. I Never Have I Ever. Oh, that's in my queue. Yes. So I just and my prom date. My prom date was a producer and had a role in the show. He was, he wrote for the Mindy Project too. So he was in that here and there. His name is Chris Schleicher, fantastic man. We met in driver's ed. Uh, there was a small love affair. Now we're both gay. So it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> that is a success story. That is a great result. Happy end on both ends. Yes. Yes. No problem. Yes. It all worked out the way it was supposed to. 
Yeah. So Lucy's prom date, um, very talented writer, apparently, because the show is amazing. Like, I watched it in two and a half hours, or however much it takes to watch it in one sitting, because they're half an hour episodes. They're ten, there's 10 of them. And I couldn't stop. It's a teen drama, basically. But it's so well produced. It's so funny. Obviously, it's Mindy Kaling, so it's amazing. But I just wanted to just mention that as my most recent uh, watch. We had talked a lot about our Desperate Housewives revival in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think that since we stopped watching, since we finished that, the I Never Have I Ever has definitely climbed the charts. So if you are looking for a few entertaining hours, it's amazing. We might be. <laughs> you, just, you got a few hours over there to spend? Well, we just finished, we just finished Little Fires Everywhere. Oh yes. my God, No, isn't it great? <gasps> Do you know there's a podcast? Oh. Yes, there's a podcast. <laughs> what am I talking to you people for? I gotta go. <laughs> all the other content out there besides know, yeah. our, no but please please share. no it's great no it's great the podcast uh, they talk to the producer the executive producer they talk to the production manager they talk to the costume designer they talk to everybody on the show they talk to the the young anna and uh, and uh and mia they're talk they talk to like such amazing people and obviously for the last episode they talk to carrie and reese which yes Yes. No spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched it yet. You have to run, don't walk. We ended up staying up last night until like two in the morning finishing it. You must. Yeah. It was worth it. We got really caught up. And, and, I, and I inadvertently thought there were seven episodes. And there are not seven episodes. Or <laughs> <laughs> less. There are eight. <laughs> no, at the, by the, the, the seventh episode was like wrapping up. And I was like, what? what's going to happen? And then it was like, next episode. I was like, oh! <laughs> You can't wait all of those hours until there is the daylight outside to watch. Now it's amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I'm excited about this week's episode, girls. <laughs> because we are tackling the, I want to say, kind of the king and queen of the rom-com. Yes. The classic 1990 Pretty Woman. Woohoo! Pretty woman walking down the street. Pretty woman. Yes, yes. 1990. For some reason. Yeah, we can't afford that song, Liv. So you can't sing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we get ten seconds before we have to. Okay. Oh, good, good. So we're in the clear. Uh, we don't have any money, anybody. Don't sue us. We, we're making money, so just you know. So I'm just going to read a quick little uh, a little synopsis of the film. <clears throat> An 80s update on the classic fairy tale, Cinderella. Pretty Woman is the story of Vivian, a charming but down-on-her-luck sex worker, and Edward, a handsome but emotionally stunted corporate raider who meet and form an unlikely business partnership that takes Vivian from the red-light district in Hollywood to the high-class playground of the super-rich Beverly Hills. Over the course of one week, the pair negotiate and navigate their relationship, and in the end, they are both changed forever. Mm. Makes my eyes go in the shape of hearts just by listening to that. <laughs> so, Libby, this was your pick. Tell us, tell us your, tell us your meet cute with Pretty Woman. Oh my God, you guys! It made me so happy to be able to choose this movie. So. I, the, the truth is, I have no idea when I saw it first, 
Uh, I was three in 1990, and I don't think that I saw it at the movies. So clearly, I must have seen it a little later than that. But I do know that... <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? How dare you be three? How dare you be three? I was drunk when I was watching this movie for the first time. I love it. I love it. Well, Colleen, the truth comes out. The truth comes out. No, um, but I do remember that on for New Year's of uh, however the year, probably 1993, when I was six years old, uh, my family and I, we went to London. So I'm from Switzerland. So we used to always take like a Euro trip, like a Euro city trip for, for New Year's. And I remember we went to see Phantom of the Opera. And I remember distinctly the scene that I was for for myself that I was so excited because I saw the binoculars is that how you call them the, yeah. the binoculars to watch the opera and I knew exactly how to how to use them because I had already seen Pretty Woman yes exactly and I used to play like and I was playing with it so I had seen it by the time I was six years old which clearly was extremely inappropriate but I <laughs> have no idea what my mother was was thinking but there, nothing nothing bad happened to me so I survived it's all good actually. It ended up being the, like, it's the movie of my childhood. I would see that movie probably, I probably saw that movie five times a year between the age of five or six and 18 or 20. Like I, I, so I watched it, I used to watch it in German um, because that's the, you know, that's the language I would watch most of my movies in. And so I actually know by heart some of the some of the lines and if i were to watch the movie in german i guarantee you i would i would actually know most of the lines in the movie so that's how many times I've, I've seen it oh i love it i love it babs what about you i i also i loved 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 watching it i saw this movie for the first time when i didn't speak english so now but at the same time i was listening to the soundtrack so i know the words but i didn't know but i didn't know the meaning of the words so <laughs> i love that right and so now, but now suddenly like I'm, I'm watching the movie i know the movie and then now i understand the the, the, the songs I'm like, oh so there were so many that's what now it makes sense now it totally makes sense i love that lulu well i was primed and ready to not be happy about this choice because i am a modern rom-com lover I love to see current styles, current hairdos, current music, bars I could actually go to, and I was ready not to like it. And I loved it, of course. I've seen it once before, but I probably was on my phone or something, so out of character. Um, I didn't really pay attention to it super well the first time, but I loved it. It had everything that I needed. I felt fully satisfied all the way through. It was, it's like such a yummy piece of candy. It was so good. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. I mean, listen to me too. Five stars. I really, you know, I, I, I've also probably seen this movie. I mean, I, I don't think I had seen it in many years, but in the years that I was watching it, I probably also watched it multiple times in a year. Like, you know, rented the video at Blockbuster Video and the whole nine yards and like tried to watch the deleted scenes at the back of the video. But I have one question for, for, for Liv and Barbara actually. Was this the first time that you saw this movie in English? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so because usually when that happens, it's like when I actually, what Barbara said, that when I, you know, when I, when I hear a song that I had not hear, heard in 15 years and I finally understand what it says, I have this like, oh my God, I can't believe that I now understand what the song is. So I, usually I have that with movies too, but it could be. But it could be. I mean, I really, I could, I could narrate you the movie in German. I was actually saying to Lucy a couple of things. So 
Yeah. I don't know. It's int- I, don't I know. have the pleasure of the German narration. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's think. So what did you guys think? So like this, we're, we start the, the movie and we're in this beautiful Beverly Hills party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We meet Edward. What I what I find interesting that you that you notice right away, it has this very very skilled and very studied, I think, and thought through camera work. Like the whole movie actually has that. This was actually supposed to be a very dark movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was supposed to be a very dark, very really? serious. Yes, and Diane Lane was was actually supposed to star in it. Maybe Meg Ryan, but they were kind of going for actresses that were more on the darker side until Julia Roberts actually took the role. And so I think that what happened is when they actually started to rewriting it for for it be, to be more light and and on the rom com side, they still kept these elements of high, just highly produced cinematic events nearly starts a little bit like a thriller kind of mm-hmm. like, think about it right so i think it's interesting because you know, he le- so basically we know that edward leaves the party he steals his friend's car he doesn't know how to drive the car and he <laughs> drives through la and, and i did i did i think it was great how we see this transition from him going in the hollywood hills down into like basically getting lost in like the scuzzier part of la you know 19 like late 1980s early 90s los angeles and, uh, you know, we, we also, we start to meet, um, we meet Vivian, but we don't see her face at first. You know, we just see this, this, this woman who is obviously like in her apartment getting ready. And for those of us who kind of knew who Julia Roberts were back in the day, we were like, it's Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Which a cutie was 22 years old. Wow. How young. Mm-hmm. So young, wow. so young. But what I thought is so interesting, the way they portrayed her and the attention to detail, how she's getting ready. I had forgotten how confident she is and how much self, self-worth she actually has because she is such a strong character. And I feel the way that they showed how she got ready, like she, t- she took this seriously. Like for her, that was like, she put everything into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought like that was really well shown by the way that they that they like they they showed the details and also the the music how it plays into it because for yeah. several minutes we we see this whole narrative without not one word spoken mm-hmm. which is very interesting until until we get to the outside world and to the to the corpse which also like the corpse <laughs> discovered in Los Angeles which is like I had, I had forgotten actually I totally have forgotten that part. That they find a corpse in the dumpster, yeah. and she and like and by the way, I don't know if you guys noticed a before they were famous Hank Azaria. Yes, no, yes, 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 yes. A little spy watching. I don't even know if he had a credit in this movie, but I mean, he was not he early on. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of like it's interesting how they did keep all those dark elements because like literally the, f- the first major thing that you hear is that there's a dead body in a dumpster and you can tell that Vivian knows who this is, mm-hmm. you know, that she's, she knows. And as soon as she gets into the bar, the blue banana and meets her friend Kit, who has spent the rent, Kit is like, that's skinny Marie. She was a crackhead. You know, <laughs> it's this whole thing of like this idea that they're, that, this is going to be a rom-com, but it's set in a really dangerous world. Yeah. That was shocking to me. 
I, 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 told, I totally missed that the first time and almost missed it the second time until they said like corpse or body. I kind of wasn't paying attention yet. And then I was like, what? <laughs> this is a rom-com. Nobody dies in rom-coms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would, it, it's interesting because I would probably not necessarily categorize Pretty Woman as a rom-com because that comedic element is really not that prominent. <laughs> It's certainly a romantic movie, uh, but but it's actually just a great movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't. I think rom coms can be great movies. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. But like for me, but but maybe that's also like my perception of rom coms in general. For me, I, I think rom com is more like it's a little on the cheaper side. It's like it's not so sophisticated. Mm-hmm. It's like it's more just lighthearted. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. Yeah, but I think that that's what makes it so winning. I think this even just this whole opening, I think, makes it so winning. And her outfit, like her outfit, um, in Switzerland we have carnivals. We don't have Halloween, so that's when we dress up. And I wanted to actually have that when I was I, I I'm. I was like 10, 10 years old. I wanted to wear her outfit because I still, I think I was so naive, even at 10 years old, after four years of watching this movie five times. So I've I've watched it like 20 times by this time. I still don't understand that she's actually a prostitute and that's what what hookers wear. And I, as a 10 year old, wanted to wear that as for the carnival. And my mother was like, "Um, no, you cannot wear that. My favorite moment is when she says to Kit, do I look like Carol Channing? And now, I don't know if you guys know who Carol Channing is, but Carol Channing, um, and again, how dare you not know who she is. Um, <laughs> but she's a, a, an, an actress who, at the time of Pretty Woman, was probably well into her 60s. And she's actually still alive. She must be 90 by now. Um, and, but she was well known for this, this iconic kind of white blonde bobbed hairdo, you know? Yeah. So hilariously, she did look like Carol Channing, <laughs> a lot, you know? But like, obviously like a 22-year-old, you know, hot, sexy Carol Channing. But Lucy, that I wanted to make a note about the wig because the wig, I thought you would like that. <laughs> Loved it. I love a wig. I love the whole situation. The outfit was one of my favorite parts. All of our outfits, which we will get into, excuse me, were my favorite part about the movie, wig. No, we have a lot to talk about. I, I just want to say one thing, and we're going to probably cut this out. This is going to be a long ass podcast. I'm canceling my 10 o'clock conference call because we have the outfits alone are going to take a long time. We're going to have to. Talk. Yes, I know. This is it, guys. The meet cute. Yes. It's coming. It's cute. Are coming up, and we see Vivian say, "That's a lotus esprit." <laughs> now you know I had to look that up. Yes. <laughs> we're like what? Just as a little bit of a fun note, uh, the Lotus Esprit, um, super high-end sports car, obviously. And um, for the movie, they actually approached Ferrari and Porsche for product placement opportunity. And both Ferrari and Porsche turned them down. Oh, my God. uh, Idiots. Idiots. See that? Now, Ferrari and Porsche could have been something. They They missed they could have been something. Now they're nothing. Now who knows for our important. But they did not want to. They did not want to be associated with soliciting sex workers. Mm-hmm. So um, Lotus was the name of the company. They saw the value and they they went ahead and put their car in. Look at Lotus knowing exactly their product placement people are good. But you know what? I think that this is actually interesting because Lotus is not like just talking even about actresses and actors who turned this role down. 
because of all these reasons, right? Because mm -hmm. it's a sex worker movie, because there is too much, and it's, it, you know, it was 1990, so it's not like now. It was kind of the Harry Potter of the time. Everybody turned it down, and then look at everybody. Like, they took the opportunity, and it's literally the greatest movie of all time. The Harry Potter of time. <laughs> it was, this is going to be the line, it was the Harry Potter of its time. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that, but I'm writing that Don't down. Really. <laughs> like, I mean, so many people turned this movie down and I'm like, silly you. And, and I read on a trivia, Richard Gere was about to turn it down. This is like a, a hearsay. So I'm not sure if this is true, but apparently Julia Roberts wrote on a post-it note, please say yes, and slid it to him. And that's how he said yes. And he was married to Cindy Crawford at the time. And I, I bet you wasn't pleased that, that he would say yes just because a beautiful 22-year-old Julia Roberts asked him to. But hey, that's life. Well, we actually watched, we, we, went, to, we went down the rabbit hole after we watched oh. the <laughs> Yes. And do you want to tell? Yeah, we watched some after. Like we wanted to, actually we wanted to rent the bonus edition, but we could only buy that and we figured not to. But then obviously we did some research afterwards and we saw like a, a conversation with, uh, with, with, some of the, with some of the actors and they told us that story, how they actually met in, in person and, um, and he was not really convinced. But then was it the producer who called? Gary, yeah, it was Gary Marshall. Exactly. So he called and say, so what's your verdict? And, and he, he, and she could see that he was on the fence and she like wrote it down on the post-it note and she handed it to him as he was on the phone. And he goes, I guess I just said yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. Oh, I love that. That's true. Okay. I love that. That's true. But one of the great things that he also said in this interview, because it was actually like the 25th reunion of, of the movie, and it, oh. which, is, which is by the way, five years ago. Five years ago. I know. <laughs> Um, and he said that, you know, he, he, they wanted, they wanted him to meet Julia because Julia was on board and everybody was convinced that Julia Roberts was going to be a gigantic star. I don't know why they thought that. Obviously that's not true. It didn't happen, but they were like, Richard Gere is going to regret this if he doesn't at least meet this girl. Yeah. And he said that he met her and he was like, we immediately hit it off. You could tell that we immediately had chemistry. I, we, like, we just loved each other. You know, it was this whole thing of like immediately getting mm -hmm. that you are, you know, you're, you're, you're in it. But he still was kind of like this, there's no part for me here. It's just a suit. It's so dumb. Yeah. And that's when she kind of like, me, 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 post it. Wait, I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> let's, 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 let's get back to this meet cute because yeah. they, they yeah. meet because Edward is lost and right. needs directions. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely lost, not realizing at all where he is, totally oblivious, which is also so representative of his personality in a way. Yeah. <laughs> like, so this super um, successful guy, and then at the same time, he's also this lost soul, which we really see in this first scene as he's there, like trying to figure out the card, not knowing where he is. He's, he's a hot mess, really. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I think that even skipping ahead a little bit, because obviously then she offers to, you know, to give him a ride. And what I, what I, what I felt that, you know, that was very similar and kind of a bridge to all the other rom-coms or so is that from the moment that they meet until they get to the hotel and then they, you know, and then this, this, this whole thing, should they go up? And there is like this whole pattern that actually happens, right? That happens actually in many rom-coms, I feel like. Like the reason why he, you kind of can tell that he's starting to 
be attracted to her is because she's being extremely vulnerable and extremely open and free with him. Like to, to vulnerable in the sense of like, she is a sex worker in a, in a car with someone and she's just talking about her childhood and being like super open and super, and you know, not calculating at all, like super natural and super herself. And then they get to the hotel and then there is this like scene of we should split but we, we're not actually gonna, are we gonna split? Like there's this back and forth a little bit of like, obviously there is like not love involved. There is definitely a different a different underlining because of her work. But I, I thought it was interesting how this is the first time when we actually see a lot of, uh, just like we see how actually it is turning into a romantic movie, right? Or a yeah. rom-com in that way, because there is this kind of like, there is this morphing of the of the of the of the feeling of it all and how she's just being this very natural and open person i find perhaps it's richard gear or <clears throat> excuse me it was a character on purpose but i kind of couldn't tell what his intentions were and i couldn't remember from the first time i saw it like does he actually pick her up and try to pay her or does he fall in love with her right away and make his intentions clear that he's not going to pay her and that it's something different and i was surprised to find that it actually was the first that 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 he goes along for a long time saying that he's gonna he's gonna pay her under the guise that she she is a sex worker and that's why he's keeping her there i was very surprised by that yeah i, I was too because i thought that it was interesting because Liv, what you were saying is this whole time that whole big section of the front end where they they're, they're they're back and forth in the car and they get to the hotel and they decide to kind of keep the party going and go upstairs is this I, what I thought was so interesting is that she was, she was open and kind of a goofball, but also she was challenging. Mm -hmm. You know, she, she was afraid of him. She was not afraid of him at all. And she, right. he I don't think he was used to that at all because people literally do whatever he, the guy, the guy says. And, you know, she'd be like, you are really murdering this car. Like, what are you doing? Like, knock it off. Like she, she just really gave him a hard time. And I think he really, really liked that and was like, mm -hmm. I like this. But then I, at the same time, Lucy, what you said, I think is also true, which is he was like, okay, I like her. I could have her around, but also I can hire her and she's going to do what I want her to do because that's what she does. She's, I hire, I hire people to do what I ask them to do. And by the very nature of her job, she will do what I want her to do. <laughs> so he's just that very kind of like money talks, bullshit walks mm -hmm. situation. But do we think that from that moment, he saw the value that she would be and thought, I'm going to pay her to keep her around to come to this dinner and do this and that? Or do we think that he wanted her to stay the night? I don't know. I think he, I think he was just sort of like sussing it out. I think he was like, I don't think he knew what he wanted. I think he was lonely yeah. and yeah. intrigued. The whole night with them, I, I think this is where you really start to see he's a really controlling person, obviously. You know, like, and, and because, and for whatever he's, he's been through in his life, he, he calls the shots all the time and he's very controlling. But I did think it was really interesting that it took them so long to actually get down to the business of the business. Like, yeah. they had a business and then the actual, like, having sex part took forever because he was kind of like, let's talk. Yeah. Let's, have a let's have a chat let's get to know each other and she's like what the heck buddy i appreciate this seduction scene but i'm a sure thing let's just get this rolling <laughs> you know, they got bills to pay and i was really feeling like 
he 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 actually doesn't even really want sex. I felt like he really kept her around, not necessarily because he wants to have sex with her, but rather because he was so intrigued by her personality and the way she was and 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 who she represented. Because she is so similar to him, actually, in, mm-hmm. in the way um, she gets what she wants. She knows that. She knows like how much she's worth, and and she like. I say who I say when I say how much, yeah. right? That's that's him. Like she is the female version of of him, and I really feel like he realized, oh, it's actually nice to have someone around who's not sucking up to me. What you said, like about the me cute, um, Livy, you said like she was vulnerable. I felt like she was not vulnerable. She was so confident, and she was in a way she because she didn't care at all. She didn't give a shit who he was. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that vulnerable was, was my wrong word. I wanted to say more like open. Like I thought that she was, she wasn't calculating the conversation. She was just, she was just being, right? You know, I think it's great when they, when, when, when she does wake up in the morning and you see the iconic red hair. Yes. Amazing. And like, just as a, as a little bit of a background, like a little history from your girl, um, so this was like the third movie I'd ever seen her in. I'd, I'd seen her in Mystic Pizza. Mm-hmm. And then I had seen her, she, she, Steel Magnolias was where she really came on the radar for a lot of people, which is, which is, is a movie that, um, again, not a romantic comedy, but a very kind of like, uh, sort of platonic romance movie uh, between a lot of women. And, and she's so beautiful in it and she's the ingenue and there's all these older actresses who are like just also just stunning and iconic and she's this new woman on the scene and this red hair is like her big trademark right and so when you see it's such a choice in this movie to wait like 20 minutes into the movie mm-hmm. hair you know and then it just all comes like tumbling out like it's this halo of, of fire you know which is yeah. so fascinating but I love, I love how, how when they wake up, then, then she, she kind of gets on, she's kind of back, in, you know, she's kind of back into that role of like, I don't give, I don't give any, you know, I don't give shit. Yeah. Like she's momentarily like tentative yes. she's out and she's a little bit like, why am I still here? This is really yeah. weird. And then as soon as she realizes he's not going to throw her out, she's like, great, let me eat some freaking <laughs> croissants. Yeah. yeah, let me sit on this table. Oh, I think they were about to hit like the biggest, you know, iconic a scene from the begin of the beginning, which is the bathtub, right? Bath- the bathtub scene. Oh, good. <laughs> so good. So good. I mean, it's literally there is nothing else but a huge bath and her singing Prince, which is incredible. And one of the trivia things that I found was actually that because Julia Roberts' natural colored hair is not red, she has brown hair. So her, she actually used to dye her hair. Um, red for that, for, for all of that, right? I did not know that. That is a frigging newsflash. Yeah, and so they're, they had to put so much soap into the bathtub to make all of those bubbles that apparently her hair dye kind of got washed out and she had to apply <laughs> it. So again, like, not sure if that's true, but, but that's, that's one of the myths of this. Of this it's true. Movie, right? I want that to be true. Yes. I want that to be true as well. No, that was great. And that's when the business deal is struck. In the freaking so, bathtub. Get into the pivotal plot point. Right. Which is they make a deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I do want to just say that you were asking earlier how much $100 is and how much $300 is. And of course, right. I went down the rabbit hole of how much $3,000 is. Yeah. In yeah. Today's money. So they make a deal that for a week, she will be at his beck and call. Mm-hmm. She will be his beck and call girl. 
<laughs> for the bargain price of $3,000, which is roughly $10,000 in today's money. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, then. Ah. Mm -hmm. And it's really not a week, right? Because the $300 for the first night, so that's, it's really right. half a week. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. See that? That's a lot. So that's that 300 already, that was a thousand for a night then. Right. Basically, so. yeah. Get on board with it. Yeah, on board, right? And but I really love their negotiation. I love that, like he take that they both take it slick. That there, you can tell that it's playful. Yeah, but it's also serious. Yeah, and that like he even stands up and it's yeah. like, okay, I'm like I'm I'm into my zone. This is what I do for a living. I negotiate with people. I do this thing. I stand up and like he's so thrilled to like have this this yeah. thing, right? And, yeah. and you see that in him a lot during the movie. He really is rarely challenged. And when he is, he likes it. Like, mm -hmm. you see a little spark in him occasionally when, whenever somebody actually challenges him, because it's so rare. Mm -hmm. Vivian's first trip to Rodeo Drive. Oh, yes. oh my God. My, that, this is where my heart skips a beat in the movie. It's not the kisses. It's not the love. It's when they say shopping spree. And just can you imagine someone just letting you loose with unlimited funds? For me, that's where, like, that's my neat cute. That's where I fell in love. <laughs> what a dream. I know it's not exactly a dream for her, like, the first store she goes in, but my goodness. Lucy, what did you think of those two mean shop girls when their hairdos? I want to hear your... I mean, your, who are they who even say anything to anyone? Look in the mirror, ladies. But you did like the, the lady's top, the black one. I did. I was very into the structural black top with the matching black scrunchie. That I did enjoy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the, the bang, the straight bangs. <laughs> yes. And the other one with the, with the, with the fake braid. Like, yeah. With the, well, the, other one, the, the other one looked like the, what's the Ukrainian ex-president? What's her name? Julia, Julia Chimoshenko, is that her name? Yeah. She's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is getting up there. Julia Chimoshenko <laughs> is... Being name dropped. <laughs> Lucy, you had a very actually a very strong reaction to that. You're like, but who would ever do that? Like, who would actually ever say to someone to leave the store and whatnot? So it was very strong. Yeah, I mean, it's iconic, but that for me took me out a little bit mm -hmm. because I mean, I know I've seen that scene a million times. I was like, no one would, no one would say that. I mean, they give her a bad look, or yeah. they wouldn't, sir, they wouldn't like give her the right service. But mm -hmm. it was very. Um, over the top. You were like, you know what? Script note. <laughs> All of a sudden I realized it was not a reality show. <laughs> you know, she doesn't get to, she does not get to spend the money in this no. moment. She gets, she kind of gets shamed and thrown out of this, this Tony Rodeo drive shop. One thing I wanted to note is that when she gets back to the hotel, you know, she's really having a bad day, our girl, and she meets the hotel manager. Yes. Mm -hmm. Barney played by Hector Elizondo and you know what I love about him is that they have this great moment where you know he's really kind of being stern with her and then she just breaks down and he immediately goes into full fairy godmother mode yes where he firmly remains the rest of the film which is my favorite favorite rom-com 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 convention or cliche is like somebody acting like the fairy godmother like yeah. somebody there to you know, wave a magic wand and make a makeover happen. But I also thought that it was so good that after that he just helps her and gets her, you know, to the department store and mm -hmm. then she's finally able to to wear to buy this dress, which then 
has the first transformation of the movie, which leads to the, the scene in the cocktail bar. Oh, like when she, honestly. No. It. So good. <laughs> so good. The, the song to that, like the music once again, was so good as he like walks into this cocktail bar and she turns around and it's the most glamorous Hollywood scene that you could actually imagine with this like amazing necklace and she's obviously very 90s or like late 80s so would not would not kind of like swing right now i think with what do you think like you're very much mo with modern fashion you're like <laughs> it was what it was in the moment it was perfect, the it was perfect. yeah that was great that was great well and i think too you really see that this is the moment where he really, I think, looks at her and is like, oh, hmm. Like, he doesn't even, rec he doesn't even recognize her. Right. Like, he right. literally walks into the bar and then w tries to walk back out again before realizing that she's sitting there. Exactly. Right. I also feel like this is just this moment where she's really starting to feel like a little caught up in the, in the, in the flirtation with him, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because it becomes kind of real when she says, you're late, and he says, you're stunning. Aww. And she has that, that moment where she just lights up. Yeah. You know, like a really genuine, genuine compliment mm -hmm. by a romantic, by a handsome, powerful guy. And she's not play acting for a moment. Like she's not playing a role. She's really charmed. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, and then we go to the to to another iconic scene, which is the I mean actually kind of two like we skipped the one where she actually needs to learn all the all the forks and everything. But I well, her fairy god the guy that's the thing the fairy godmother like he he doesn't just give her money he makes it happen like he sends her to the he gets he sets it up and then he teaches her how to use the forks and like it's just a big thing although it kind of goes to shit at the dinner table but you know I know <laughs> like literally to shit. So here's the thing. Here's my first um actual the second actually um translation to the German part, which the German word that she actually uses is much stronger than what she uses in English. Like in English, she uses something that is kind of okay. In German, she uses like literally like- For a little, the snail. A little, yeah, for the snail. Sorry, yes, we're talking about the snail, right? What did she say? Oh, sli oh, slippery little sucker, she says, right? Well, sucker, yeah. So a sucker is like kind of like, yeah, I shouldn't say it, but okay. But in German, she actually says like, you little, you, you slippery little shit. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it's literally like, you slip for a little shit. So Say it in German. Say it in German. Du kleines schlupfriges Scheißerchen. Rolls off the tongue. I wonder why they didn't go with that in the English version. Missed opportunity. This whole scene is, maybe it's the second time that we start to see people meeting Vivian who are immediately taken with her like immediately charmed by her and you know i don't think it's because she's in the beautiful i mean like obviously she's beautiful and all of that stuff but she just has this she radiates this thing that especially men but it makes people drawn to her i think it's because she's so genuine mm -hmm. and she doesn't have she doesn't have a notion of like she even though she knows it's a, she's out of place but she doesn't feel like out, out of place. She never feels like really, truly inferior. I, I actually just wanted to take a moment to talk about the ballroom scene, uh -huh. which is, you know, they, they've had this dinner, it hasn't gone really well. 
Edward has kind of opened up a little bit to Vivian and then he's left her for the night and he, and she finds him at like three o'clock in the morning playing the piano in the ballroom um, to the remaining staff who are just there cleaning up and like whatever. And um, they, they have that kind of, again, like these really big iconic scenes of like, he basically says to the guys, gentlemen, can we have the room, please? <laughs> and they're like, okay. And they get up and they let him, they stay in there. And the two of them have sort of this wild sex on the piano. Which was another, another part in which Lucy realized that it's not a reality TV show. She, she, she thought that was wildly inappropriate that they would have sex like in the ballroom right there. I mean, it's <laughs> I know. Well, he's, you know, he's large and in charge. Like no one says no to him, right? Okay. But he tries to kiss her. Mm -hmm. off limits. Said, no. still off limits nope even after all that off limits and did you guys notice that there was no music in that scene because that really stood out to me that in the beginning there was music but then once she was on the piano you could hear like when she touched the keys but there was no music in that scene and it made it even more impressive yeah that's true because usually you have like the especially because this seems to be like the first time that they actually I mean, uh, yes, she doesn't let him kiss her, but it's kind of implied that it's, they, they are going to have wild sex, but it's also more than sex. It's not just sex that you would have with a sex worker. And usually would, you would have like really sweet music or like really transporting music and it's not at all. But he, we, did, we did enter the ballroom with him playing, which the, the piece of trivia is that, first of all, it is Richard Gere playing the piano and he composed that piece for the, for the, for the, for the movie and for that scene. Who knew that he's also a musician? I had no clue. So many talents. Richard Gere, man of many talents. Yeah. So, okay, skipping ahead to one of the most important parts of the movie, the shopping montage. Woohoo! Yes! Lucy, <laughs> I need to Your hear what from this. I mean, what a feast for the eyes, except for that excuse me, nasty tie that she picked out for him, which just was not it. But these outfits were everything. And just the whole like over the top service of like six people around her. Do you like this? Do you like this? And she's not quite sure if she should like things or not because she doesn't know what's appropriate. She's looking at him and he's like, no, pass on that one. Or <laughs> It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was really amazing. It was everything. It really was like I think that that's her <clears throat> just walking down her bare drive with all these bags. It's still like even now. I, I like I know it's so childish, but even now when I go shopping in the very rare times in which I have many bags, I just like just like pretty woman. Like <laughs> I literally go like It's so good. And I also just think it's really it's really sweet how he just really makes sure that they continue to fuss over her. Like he kind yes. of keeps an eye on it. Like he's doing his business and he's like more. Major more... sucking up. No, not yes. me. Her. Yeah. That's right. They order a pizza. I got I, I got to get there. Love it. And then she, of course, gets her, her revenge on those original mean girls. Oh my God. Yes. The best scene. Truly kind of like, if you could argue, one of the best. It's such a short scene yeah. and it's the best. So iconic. She walks in and just. Big, big mistake. mistake. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wanted to skip ahead to the polo match. Yes. Oh my God. Ed takes Vivian to a polo match. Uh, Ed, a lot of the B story is, is Edward's pending deal with the Morse family and this whole polo match 
is going to be, there's going to be a lot of people there that he needs to talk to. And, um, and he brings Vivian and she's in this. My goodness. I mean. No, it's the best outfit ever. No, it, it has everything. It's the dress fits so, so much perfection. The belt, the hat, the, 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 what do you call it? The pouch? No, it's everything. It's everything. You have no idea how everything this was. I'm going to tell you right now, girls, this was 1990. I found a photo of myself. No, stop. Wait, tell me. But Don't we are going to share on our Instagram feed and our website. Yes, the folks. Oh. Here I am. Yes. Twenty-one year old, twenty year old Colleen wearing a a, a near exact replica oh. of pretty woman Julia Roberts, Vivian's polka dot dress. Although I'm wearing navy blue because I am a winter, not a fall. Okay. Okay. And I have the, the, the navy blue dress on with the with the matching belt. I have a straw broad brimmed hat with a matching navy blue polka dot headband tied around it to make it look like it's the hat band. And what's not pictured in this, which is gutting to me, is that I also had purchased navy blue and white spectator shoes, pumps. Wow. And I'm gonna tell you something. I, I felt like a million. I felt like three thousand dollars in this outfit. Three thousand nineteen ninety dollars. Oh my god, I love it! I love it! I absolutely love it! You look amazing, and I am so jealous that I was not able to wear that at the time. I will make a revival. I will wear that. See, why couldn't I choose that to wear on my carnival? No, I had to choose that. This this street outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that looks great. I love that you found that. This um, polo match thing—it's—it's it's going great until Edward tell, tells his business manager or his lawyer, yeah. uh, Stucky, mm -hmm. that Vivian's is a prostitute, is a sex worker, yeah. and the the Stucky goes and makes an asshole out of himself and makes Vivian feel terrible, which you see her walls go right back up. You see her protecting herself, which all of this leads to the epic showdown at the hotel that almost throws the entire thing off the rails. Oh my God, mm -hmm. almost. It's really hard. I know. And, and it's, but kind of like the, the, the gross moment there definitely is when Stuffy touches her shoulder, which is like, I want to just punch him in the face. Mm -hmm. um, but then the cute part in the in the whole sadness is that she doesn't take the she he kind of tries to pay her because she's storming out she's trying to leave and then he goes like well i'm gonna pay you yes okay i'm gonna give you your money and then she doesn't take it like obviously she comes back but she doesn't know that she comes back really and maybe maybe she does i don't know but she doesn't take the money so it's kind of like the the next hint that this has gone further than just the business interaction right in a business mm -hmm. so yeah. I mean, because I think that they're both so angry in that moment and he's, he's paying her spitefully. Like yes. she's like, give me my money. And then when he sees that she doesn't take the money, he's just yeah, like, who wouldn't take the money? You know, right. like, well, I think he, I think something kind of like broke in his brain. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I saw it differently. I saw it as like, okay, now I have the chance. I, I understand she didn't take the money because this is means more to her. So now I have to, I, I, you know, I have the chance to go out there and tell and show her that maybe this means more to me too. I mean, I don't know that maybe that would be like a very wishful thinking way of seeing things, but that's kind of how I saw it. And 
and you know and she comes back in and it's kind of like the first fight of a couple right it's kind of their first couple fight that they have and he does admit to her that he was jealous true when yeah. he says that when she was talking to the guy the other guy yeah. he didn't like it and, and i think that in that moment like he has to come to realize realize that it wasn't just that he 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 wasn't he was really jealous of the other guy so like this actually kind of means something. Um, I think also that, first of all, I wanted to say two things about that scene. One, he has $3,000 in his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> which is $10,000. $10, yeah, which, yeah, which basically is 10 grand yeah. in his wallet, in hundreds in his wallet. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe Michael Bloomberg has $10,000 in his pocket. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what billionaires do. I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess it wasn't that easy to just, I mean, were there ATMs everywhere? Maybe he was just getting ready for the end of the six days. Got that 3000 ready for her. He had well, to go write a cashier's check or however. Um, granted, I mean, $10,000. $10,000 is a lot of money. I mean, if we think about 2020, right? Yeah, but now we have credit cards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I wanted to, and if I had it, I could totally spend $10,000 right there, right? I mean, that was... <laughs> right. That's, that's, just, right. <laughs> that's just like the way it, like, the way it was. That's mm. right. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting in watching movies that are 30 years old. That's definitely... Yeah. Uh, so the next thing is their big date. Yes. I mean, Edward and it talks Vivian in that gorgeous dress. Yes. And it is a date. And mm-hmm. he even says it to Stucky Sleesback. <laughs> yeah. 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 He has a date. He has a date. I mean, a date. I know. Unbelievable. I mean, that, that, Part, now, this is actually why I kind of also wanted to ask you guys if you, have, if you had not seen this movie in English before, because this, this is a scene that's, that's so well remembered, that scene where he, he shows her this beautiful necklace and she reaches for it and then he claps the, the jewelry yeah. box on her and she, and she lets forth this amazing loud laugh, mm-hmm. like with her whole body which is such a Julia Roberts trademark. Yeah. Did you guys not hear that laugh in, in, in her voice? Like, I, who was this? It was like an actress, like, making, making the laugh and, like, I feel like... Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm, I, again, like, I really can't tell if, I, if I've seen it in English before this. But, yeah, for about 15 mm-hmm. years, yeah, there was another woman laughing. That was you not don't know laughing. what you don't know. Yeah, but I just, wow, like, <laughs> it's so much a part of the whole sort of julia roberts thing is is not only how she looks but her smile and that laugh it's so trademark right yeah um that scene actually by the way is an improv she she did not know really no he was gonna do that oh genius it's the best three seconds of the movie i know it's so genuine well there you go that's why it's so genuine you know the whole thing with the binoculars just really Oh, you know, I actually had a guy take me on a date to the opera once in the 90s. And I had this whole pretty woman like. <laughs> so, so I was like the 90s. I was dating this guy. And I, I don't even, I don't think I, I wasn't sure I liked him. But he, he was a lawyer and he had money. And of course, I was a sex worker. <laughs> Colleen? Well, I mean, I mean, in a, in a sense, I worked in advertising. I, I was in a advertising job, which I think is the same thing. Um, 
essentially it's the same thing. Um, and he, he said, when, when Edward says to Vivian, you know, people either love it or they hate it. And if they love it, it will never, it would always be a part of them. And if they hate it, they may learn to appreciate it, but it will never be a part of them, right? And I had this in my head and this guy invites me to go see, it was La Boheme. And he was so excited to take me to the opera. We were like in our twenties. I'd never been, and I was, I had, to, I had to put a dress on. I mean, I wasn't wearing like a red gown, but I was, you know, I had like a nineties, probably like express, limited express dress on. And I got there and I was so super excited and I completely fell asleep. Uh, oh no! A hundred percent was just sawing logs <laughs> during this whole thing. Oh my God. So we know which one you are. No, that's so funny. Give me a part of you. <laughs> That's so hilarious. there's that. That dream has been dashed, I think, forever. <laughs> that is hilarious. But here's the other piece of trivia for the for the for the opera scene, which I did not know. I didn't I mean I'm I, I like the opera. I know nothing about it. I don't know anything about opera history. But they're going to see La Traviata, or I don't know how you say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. La Traviata. yeah. And the storyline is a sex worker falling falling in love with a rich man. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. So actually, the whole movie is based on La Traviata, kind of, right? Which is that the opera piece that they're going to go see in San Francisco. So it's the whole circle of the pretty woman life is is coming full circle with that scene. Wow. Isn't that, that makes a whole, that actually puts a whole other layer on it. Whole, like, like, why did you choose that opera for them? Is that a coincidence? Is and, he like, and does he know? Because, I mean, it, it is... He probably does know, but it is in Italian, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. Not so he may not actually realize that that is the case, but probably does. But we don't know. We don't, we don't know. know. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I have a, I have a good feeling that it, it's just really masterful script writing. But other than that, I don't know. But no, I th I thought that was really great because I didn't know that, and I didn't know that you know. I it's kind of just like this full circle moment. I think. At, yeah. At the opera. Yeah, and well, I have to say that date leads to that. It leads to him playing hooky from work the next day, and they do a whole day off together, where you know they're eating snap dogs in the park, and you know yeah. he's not allowed to take any phone calls, and it goes into an evening date. So it's this really like unraveling yeah. of of his whole kind of cold corporate greed persona, mm -hmm. which is really setting us up for you know his his big gestures at the end of the movie on every level right yeah yeah and i and and let's not forget that that's the night also in which they actually make love for the first time because and she kisses night. him yeah and she kisses him exactly yeah. i also think that at this point every single time that i watch the movie and even now just talking about it i still i can't believe that they have only been together for like three or four days like it feels like they but because the, the depth of their relationship is so strong like it's so deep that it just feels like they've been together for like four months by this time. But yeah, so they kiss for the first time. So all bets are off. Yeah, all bets are off, right? Um, and so that now we're at their last day together. Mm -hmm. And you can see that he's really trying. And he makes her this offer mm -hmm. to set her up in an apartment so that whenever he's in town, they can get together. And she has that moment of like, that's not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's great. You know, like I really, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of the beginning of a conversation that continues through the next couple scenes, but she is like, I want more. 
Yeah. yeah. No, that's still just another way for him to pay for the convenience of having her around. Yeah. 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 And it's uh it's that whole scene in which they get kind of get into another fight and 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 her leaving and her actually telling him what her childhood dream was of like this this knight on a horse mm-hmm. going to rescue her at the top of the tower and everything, kind of this fairy tale. Mm-hmm. That um, we've kind of all been witnessing throughout the whole movie of this, you know, unlikely pair that kind of falls in love and we saw falling in love. But I think that what's super interesting too is what happens next, which kind of shows how much he has transformed um, because he gets to, he, the scene ends with him being called into the office, which with this, with this deal that he's been working on. And he's usually this ruthless businessman that buys these companies for 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 really kind of a, a low price and then kind of makes money off of the dismantlement of these companies and he actually chooses to embark a completely different road which which is so interesting because it is very very much intended to show that he has changed through this week with her and he has started to take on a completely different view of life yeah and i think too like that whole thing with with kit and her her basically starting to, to, to think, you know, the first thing that she does when she gets money, she gives it to Kit right away in the beginning of the movie. And then, you know, toward the end, we, we're seeing her ready to sort of start realizing that she can lift herself up to a different place mm-hmm. and that she can also help the people, like kind of like extend the hand to other people to help them. And it's this, this whole kind of just stepping into her own power in a way to go, not like I just got saved, but like, I just saw possibities, you know, and I, I, I'm going to kind of keep moving. And now that I have a little bit of, you know, a, a foundation of security, I'm going to kind of go for it. Yeah. Uh, I also really like that Richard, that, that Edward's character kind of has that moment with uh, the older Mr. Morris character where mm-hmm. it's essentially like that father-son relationship he never had. Yeah. And it's this full circle moment for him of, of, of really changing his perspectives. and. Yeah. But yeah. then, uh, but then she already is planning on leaving early. Like she's planning on not staying mm-hmm. the night, right? For her last night that she's actually kind of supposed to stay with him. And but, before she leaves. But by the way, before yeah. you go, I just want to say that that silk shorts and blazer outfit. You know, it's very, very late eighties, early nineties. But I have to tell you, it might that the the nineteen ninety Colleen was like, I gotta get one of those too. Oh yeah. I gotta have the Bermuda short, the silk Bermuda shorts and the blazer. Listen, kind of- 2020 Lib owns it. Yeah. You've probably seen it except it's floral. <laughs> but it's it's silk Bermuda shorts and a blazer. Yeah. And I wondered what inspired it and now I know. <laughs> I know and now I know too. <laughs> and guess what? I actually have that belt. That black belt that she's wearing there. Like not the same one, but very similar. And my my aunt, my god godmother gave it to me. And I bet you she bought it in the 90, in the 80s, which I'm very proud of having. Yes, I mean, I'm very much 80, 90s, early 90s inspired. And you guys, 2020 Live would still buy that outfit. And I kind of own it. <laughs> you don't need to buy it. Oh my I, know, God, I love it. So, all right, so while, while Edward is, is putting his feet in the grass, by the way, Barefoot in the Grass, Barefoot in the Park is a great movie to watch if you haven't seen it. Uh, but <laughs> he's walking with his bare feet in the park. Meanwhile... Sleazy Stucky, who, by the way, played by Jason Alexander, um, is on his is 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 at the hotel, and not sure if he went there specifically to confront Vivian, but Edward's not there, and Vivian is, and so 
he's going to try to get his revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a really awful scene. Yeah. For me, this was like the beginning with the body. This is like the remnants of the dark movie. This to me was like beyond a rom-com and how intense it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it gave everything in a way a lot more credibility because that's also the reality, right? Mm-hmm. Because she is, she is vulnerable by being a sex worker and people knowing that. And, and, I, and by almost by acknowledging that and, and working that into the movie, I feel like the story is so, such a fairy tale, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, but, and, and it makes it even more so um, because there is that scene, because mm-hmm. it's like, you know what? Yeah, shit, there is this reality and, and, um, and, they, and, and, they, and they go through it despite, despite that or probably because or yeah, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, 100%. I think, I think you're right. I think it makes it really real. And, uh, and yes, it is very intense. Like yeah. it is really intense. And even, I think maybe even as women now with everything and now how different the world is now, I think too, right? Seeing that scene, it's like, I can't believe this is, I can't believe, like, it's just, you, you nearly feel, or I, at least that's my experience. It nearly felt like it was happening to me. Mm. Like if this guy was actually on my couch, like that's how real and intense it felt. And it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was really a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when, when Edward kind of comes in and sort of physically, um, physically throws Stucky out. And also I think from a business perspective, it seems, it seems like their business relationship is going to be over as well. So this is yet again, another part of, of Edward cutting ties with parts of his life that are toxic. Right. And, um, and he has the chance to take care of her in, in, in the movie, even though he buys her things and takes her places and, shows her a good time. There's a lot of scenes where she is physically taking care of him. She's mm-hmm. fixing his tie. She's in the bathtub washing him. She's all these things. And this is a time when we really see him taking care of her. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, he kind of, it's like his last shot, right? Like he's taking his last shot at maybe this can go differently, you know? And, and, can we still keep negotiating though? Like he's still trying to negotiate with her. Mm-hmm. How much do you want? I, I, and he has this great line where he says, you know, I invented the concept of wanting more. I understand mm-hmm. wanting more, but I, I need to know how much more. Yeah. And then he just is like, that's all I can I'm not going to compromise. I want the fairy tale, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and he's also being very real that in that moment, in that precise moment, that's all he can give. He's not ready to give more. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of this very real heartbreaking moment of two people that just don't, yeah, they just can't take it. That can't take it the step, the next step. Right. Yeah. Right. Then the, the, she, when she goes home, when Daryl, the, the limo driver um, mm-hmm. takes her home, which he's such a funny character because he's only in a couple of scenes, but for some reason he's so present because he's mm-hmm. there in the beginning. Then he's there like when, when they go to the, to the plane and then he's there to take her home. It's kind of like this like eerie character. Anyway, Daryl takes her home and then, um, what is it? Roxette? What's that? What's the song? Who's the song by? Um, Roxette. Must have been love. I mean, <laughs> come on like it starts with an incredible montage with music and it ends with this like 
amazing song that couldn't be more appropriate for the movie. And it's just mm-hmm. her sitting in this limo, just like we see the whole trip home basically, and him, you know, kind of just like catching his things and then it turns into daylight and then this whole thing of like it's this whole montage to the end with no words, just these visuals and this music that just grips you so much. Mm-hmm. It's the sad montage. You know, we have the happy yeah. shopping montage and now we have the the sad montage at the yeah. end, which I think is, that's, that's so great. Yeah, it's so great. It's so great. And then obviously the godfather of the whole movie. Aww. Listen, our, our, our fairy god, fairy godmother, fairy godfather, once again, kind of politely inserting himself and kind of meddling, like, hmm, let me, let me take a look at that necklace. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to let something so beautiful go. But then the last, the last piece of information, which is the key, that Daryl took the young lady home last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> took Miss Vivian home. Mm. I and, know. And like right away, you just see like when he's in that limo, like making the decision and really being like, this is, what am I doing? I know. What are you doing? I know. So good. And you know exactly what's going to happen. And he's finally conquering his fear of heights. <laughs> and and this with this rose in his mouth to actually go up. But you know what? What, what was what I also thought it was was interesting. Um, this is like the last, the very last, like probably minute of the movie where he's already on, on his way, right, to to go to Vivian's, and we see that Vivian is getting ready to actually leave town, right? She's mm-hmm. heading to San Francisco. She talks to Kit and tells her how she sees so much potential in in Kit who frankly is a very, seems to be a very kind of immature, kind of like, you know, still very childlike person. But then when he goes and picks up the rose for her, we actually, it's the same place where Kit is talking to Anna Marie or whoever one of the girls is, mm-hmm. and is saying how she's actually going to go to beauty school and to beautician school, and she's gonna mm-hmm. go. So just like this, this little thing of like, you know, Vivian kind of discovered this possibility for herself and is passing it along. And then you see Kit talking to this other woman and passing it along to her. And it's kind of like this, you know, these, these two characters that kind of never met each other, but are so interconnected between, you know, Edward and Kit and they don't even know it. And, and they are in the same exact spot at the same exact moment. And I thought that that was a very neat, neat way of just showing another layer of the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, yeah. And then we have our, our beautiful sort of final moments with them where he, yeah. like you said, he, he, beca- he, he purposely emulates her dream. Her, yeah. She wants the fairy tale, he's going to give it to her. He, you know, he's in the white limo, he's got the rose, he has an umbrella charging up. And then he, like you said, he climbs that fire escape like, you know, he had to be on the top floor. And she's like, yeah, it's the best. That's a lot of things we have in common, I know. It's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. And I could like, actually find myself at the end, like I just found myself smiling the whole, like I literally was smiling, like big smiles on the TV because it is just the best movie, you guys. It's just so good. It's so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I just wanted to say, um, I, I know we've been, God, we've been talking for so long, um, but I, there's a couple of things that I wanted just to make to tell you about the things I read. I, I kind of went deep into the route. I went into this whole thing of like, does pretty woman, pretty woman misrepresent sex work? Does it, you know, all these different like political things and so interesting. And um, what's, what's fascinating is that like, even in, in more recent write, writings about this movie, people can't help but love it. 
even yeah. though some folks feel like it's there's parts of it that seem problematic and that may downplay um you know the realities of, of, of being a sex worker and like you know just whatever all these different things and um i told you in the beginning i actually did look up the new york times movie review uh, by janet maslin and there's this one line that i think is so great um, and she says, and, and, and this is a quote directly from this written in 1990. And the hooker is played by Julia Roberts, who is so enchantingly beautiful, so funny, so natural, and such an absolute delight that it's hard to hold anything against the movie. <laughs> oh, so true. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that's true. It I really is true. true. I mean, you know, looking at it from the lens of 2020 and all of it and like, Yes, there are so many like inappropriate things. Like the cast is all there is not one person of color in that movie. Like there is not one representation. Like the one person of color is the the one person that says "Welcome to Hollywood." Like literally, the, like and the yeah. limo driver and the limo driver. And, and that's right, the limo driver. Yeah, the service workers. Like there is, you know, there are so many things, and like this, this still very old, you know, relationship between the two of them. And you said like she, t her taking care of him. Like there are many things, but. The movie is, and I think I'm really now looking at it and kind of reading upon it the way that we did for this podcast episode. I really think that the, the thing that makes it so special is that it really has these elements of a very serious movie and a very actually masterful and artful movie in some ways paired with these actors that are so, and especially her. I mean, he's kind of like, he's kind of a little bit on the passive side, right, as a, as a personality. But she is just so incredibly mm -hmm. charming. And like, there is, it's just, you just feel good around these characters and around this story. Like, you just end this movie saying, like, even Lucy didn't even want to watch it. Actually, <laughs> really didn't want to watch it. She started the, the night saying, I really kind of, I'm going to watch it, but I don't want to. <laughs> Loved it. Like, even I people know, that she started. charmed me, that no. Julia. So good. That, we even pulled you over. Okay, so <laughs> last, last question about about Pretty Woman before we say goodbye to Julia and Richard and Hector and Jason and Laura San Giacomo. Um, if this was a musical, which I know it was, Pretty Woman did become a musical on Broadway, which I did not see. No, um, but if this was a musical, what would be, what, what would be, what would be one of the breakout musical numbers? Well, I would have to say this, the shopping number. Yeah, yeah I you think, know that's my vote. Yeah. yeah, I think that really, I think that, in you know, and you could write it in a way that kind of like shows them, you know, kind of like, I don't know, them loving each other in some way or not. But mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. have the whole chorus. You have all yeah. the people that work there. They're backup dancers, like. Coming in and And the out. people in the streets. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Now, I, I agree with that, but I would also say a close second for me would be the polo match. Ah, yeah, yeah. that's being really fun. Yeah, being yeah. a really that's fun number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely love it. Great. Well, I love it. That was Pretty Woman. Yeah. Great, job. Great job, everybody. Now, listen. Before we close, we have to find out what is our next movie. So you know, so uh, Colleen, I have picked one. Liv, you've picked one. Lucy, you have picked one. Barbara, you're on the hot seat. I am going to choose Bridesmaid. Oh! <gasps> oh, yes! <laughs> I'm excited about this one, Barbara. I've never seen it! What? I am not sure whether I have or not. I don't know. And I'm like, 
Okay, Are you serious? Guys. No, I feel like, it, you guys, if we were not on lockdown, we would come over then and watch it with you. That's really what would happen <laughs> because that's how great it is. That's how great oh, it is. this is fantastic. Oh, my. Hey, maybe we'll do a watch party. Can we do a watch party? We could yeah. do a watch party. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to figure that out. Um, so the next, so, so next time we're going to be talking about bridesmaids. This has been Pretty Woman. Thank you guys. Thank you. Give your little faces on Zoom. So good. Can't wait to canoodle next time. And that is a wrap for this episode of Canoodle. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends by sharing this episode and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other people find us. You can follow us on Instagram at Canoodle Podcast and CanoodlePodcast.com for show notes and exclusive behind-the-scenes content. See you next week.